Our body even gets a dopamine hit from reaching for the glass. Your body is already responding to that glass of wine, y'all, before you even drink it. Your body's like, yeah, here we go. Okay, relax. This is going to be good. It's reward, reward. And so how we view that is critical to making the change. And it's, it really does begin with awareness and mindset. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist Trudy Stone, and I am so grateful that you tuned in today. Today, we have a very special guest joining us on the Mind Your Body Show, Jen Couch. Now, she is somebody that I have been following for a long time. She is going to be one of your favorites as well by the end of this episode. I am sure of it. So let's tell you a little bit more about Jen. So SoberSys founder Jen Couch is a pioneer in the movement of sober-minded living. This is about making a conscious choice to be the best version of yourself, to live in an intentional manner, creating the life you want. And sometimes that means living alcohol-free. Jen recognized that alcohol was causing more inner turmoil, and it was taking up so much space in her life, and she embarked on this amazing journey to create Sober Sis. Sober Sis is a tribe of women who are gray area drinkers. No labels, no all or nothing mentality, no horror stories of DUIs and jail stints, but women who feel as though drinking is a bit more prominent in their lives than they want it to be. Sober Sis is the place to find love, acceptance, and support when you don't fit the stereotypes but want to make a change. Welcome to the Bind Your Body Show. Jen, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Trudy. All the way down here in Texas saying y'all down here. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Texas is on my list of places to visit, so I'm glad I have somebody that I know there now. Yes. (laughs) I need to come up north. (laughs) (laughs) you do i'm in toronto canada um only come here in the summertime right i didn't warn you if you come here in the winter (laughs) yeah i have lots of sober sisters in canada oh you do what parts do you know oh for sure really all all over the place honestly spread out i mean lots of bc um quebec and uh ottawa I know just off the top of my head of course those are places that a lot of us down here are familiar with but Again, big, big cities, small towns. It's all the same. Yes, for sure. So Jen, I know I just did this lovely intro for you, but I always love to hear people talk about themselves in their own words. So if someone hasn't heard about you, or if this is their first introduction to you, can you give us a little bit of background about what it is that you do and how you serve the world? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So Uh, Like Trini mentioned earlier, I am a retired now gray area drinker (laughs) and um, 
what I do is I help women get out of that autopilot living where you're healthy by day, so mindful, doing all the right things. I call it the detox part of your day, only to then battle wine o'clock and get back into the retox loop. So it's the detox retox loop. Mm -hmm. um, And that's where I found myself really after navigating a lot of uh, socializing with alcohol in my 30s, really finding myself in my young 40s, really leaning on it, almost as if it were a crutch in a part of my day that I really looked forward to, quite honestly. I looked at wine o'clock as a reward, as a treat, um, as kind of the golden keys to me time Mm -hmm. and a way to transition from being that healthy, mindful, super health conscious. I mean, I can't describe to y'all just all the yoga I've done and all the kale that I've juiced in my kitchen (laughs) only to switch from kale to Pinot Grigio in the evening. And uh, quite honestly, it just was not working for me. I felt the duplicity inside my own life, which was where it was wreaking the most havoc. It wasn't really externally a problem. It was internally a problem for me because I felt very misaligned and just not living my best life uh, because I would often wake up after the the retox evening and I would wake up, you know, ready to face the day, got to get the kids to school, got to get that workout in, start doing all the right things. And I had all the good intentions mm-hmm. and it was really becoming defeating for me to then turn around and break that promise to myself. And I did not understand for the longest time how to break out of that cycle because it was so reddit in my norm. And it's also what most of my friends were doing, mom friends, friends in the workplace. It was just so normalized that it felt so daunting to try to break out of that. And I found a way to break the detox to retox cycle. And so that's what I hope other women do is find their way as well. Awesome. Yeah. You mentioned so many things that I want to unpack, but you know, one thing that really stood out to me, Jen, is when you said that you were relying on it as a crutch and with my clients, you know, I often speak to them about crutches and I often tell them to look at things that they're turning to, to manage their stress, like wine and like food as a crutch. And when you think about crutches, like for example, my husband, he is six foot five, he tore his Achilles tendon and was on crutches. And this was right around the time that we were looking for a new house. So we're going from house to house, from open house to open house. He's going down the stairs, this big six foot five guy in crutches. And it just took us so much longer to do all of the things that we needed to do because he was on crutches. So when we look at crutches like that, it just, it just takes you so much longer to do those things that you want to do or do those things that you need to do in life. So, you know, alcohol is definitely one of those things that I would consider like a crutch for sure. For sure. And a faulty one at that, because Mm -hmm. that's the thing when we're leaning on that crutch to put all of our weight on it or to get us through something. And we really have to look at what it is that's holding us up. And that's what I started doing was looking at alcohol itself as a crutch and really realizing it also wasn't helping me. It was also unpredictable or failing me. Mm. And so then what do you do? Do you get a crutch for a crutch? You know, it really led me down a path of, um, yeah, searching for something 
internally a lot more stable and sound and sure in a very unpredictable, uncertain world like we've been living in the last few years. Right, right. Yeah. And you know, another thing I say too, and because you when you said that you drank, you know, the kale smoothie in the day and then Pinot Grigio at night, it reminded me because I posted something on Instagram and this was maybe, I don't know, a year or so ago, a couple of years ago. And it was something along the lines of, you know, you can drink all the kale smoothies you want in the world, but if you don't take care of the stuff that's going on in your mind, Right. then you're not going to be able to make changes. So, you know, I, I really want the listeners to understand that Jen went on this journey to really understand, you know, what it was that made her rely on alcohol as a crutch. So I want to encourage people that are listening to this to just stop and be more mindful and start asking yourself some questions as to like, why, you know, what am I feeling like when I'm turning to this glass of wine? Like why, what, what is it that I'm trying to replace? What is it that I'm trying to cover up? So we just, I think we need to get into the habit of asking ourselves more empowering questions that really allow us to get to the root of what it is that we're struggling with so that we can sleep, seek those solutions that's going to help to move us forward. I love that, Trudy. And you nailed, you really nailed something there, which is <laughs> really going back to what am I feeling and really even rewinding the tape one notch back and going, what am I thinking? Mm. What, what, what am I attaching? What belief or what thought am I attaching to what this will do for me? What value am I attaching to it? And that's really where I began doing a lot of the digging and the work in my own life was realizing I had overvalued alcohol in my life. I'd almost outsourced my own uh, resilience and ability to do hard things to basically a glass of liquid that was not really doing that for me. It was just kind of numbing out all the feelings of anxiety, but temporarily only to have them come back in a double down kind of way. Mm. And, And that was where I really started unpacking how I had come to find myself in this, in this habit loop. Right. Right. So Jen, I have a question. Like, I kind of want to start at the beginning yeah. here. Like how does somebody know when alcohol is a problem and when they should actually start seeking help? Oh, that's a great question. And just a little bit more about my background. I didn't really grow up um, in a, in a drinking home in a drinking environment. I was not a drinker in my younger days. I mean, younger, younger days, I'm 50, <laughs> almost 51 now at the time of our conversation. And so in my, uh, you know, college years and twenties drinking was not my thing. So for me, I really entered in the drinking world, if you will, in my young thirties. And I used to think that that was so bizarre and that no one else out there started drinking a little bit later in life. But now I've worked with thousands of women. So I know that it's absolutely true that women enter in the drinking world at different places for different reasons. And um, so I started out just socially drinking. I was doing uh, networking events and that was the adult thing to do. And I basically met all the criteria that I had grown up learning Um, you know, don't drink and drive, don't drink and get drunk. That's not good. (laughs) I got the memo there. Like that's not the goal. And, um, you know, obviously don't drink if you're not 21 here in the States was our, you know, it's the legal drinking age. And so it was like, well, gosh, I'm 32. I'm a married mom and I'm working. Okay. I hit all the criteria for being able to, to walk into this with a little bit of, uh, I was naive because I didn't really have a cautionary tale around me. Mm. Um, because what I had seen of drinking was more in the college days when people were just making bad choices and, 
and learning the hard way, it was sobering for me, my type of personality. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not doing that. So when my thirties, um, that's navigate, that was me navigating. And it took me a minute to, uh, to learn kind of the rules, if you will, around alcohol. But one rule I learned real fast was that the more often you drink, the more often you want to drink. And the more often you want to drink, the more you build up a tolerance for drinking. Mm. (laughs) And I recognized that early on, even as a fairly, when I say new drinker, I mean, habitual drinker, where it became my weekend MO, then it started to be book club, date night, you name it, it was game on. Um, That's when I started to notice, hey, I used to not really have a craving for alcohol or a thirst for alcohol. I didn't even want it. I didn't even care. Um, so that's one thing I noticed early on was um, was how alcohol really does create a thirst for itself. It creates it creates a tolerance, and the higher of a tolerance you have, that one glass that used to cut it when you were just sipping through a long evening dinner, well, that one glass is kind of cute to get started, but that's <laughs> not gonna <laughs> it's not really gonna do the same as that second or maybe third glass. And then, oh my goodness, you can actually work up enough tolerance to have a little bit of dependency there where it just feels normal to do what at one point did not feel normal. If you would have told me, Trudy, that by the time I was 45, I would be able to do the bottle breakdown, which was me opening a bottle of wine on my own and drinking it by myself, Mm -hmm. I would have been like, red flag, alcoholic behavior off you go. That is so like, whoa. If you would have told me that in my twenties or young thirties, I would have been like, how in the world would a person do that mm-hmm. and, and not know that they have a problem? Right. Well, I'll tell you, because again, I've, I've now talked with enough women because I used to feel so alone. I used to feel so flawed and so unique. Now I realize, oh my gosh, there are thousands, if not millions of women. And I'm sure after COVID, well, I know it is statistically, it's just gone through the roof that are building up this kind of tolerance that allows that bottle breakdown to happen. And there are women all across the world, our countries, both who are opening a bottle of wine at five o'clock just to have a glass while they're cooking, because that seems Mm. socially acceptable, but then have the second glass while they're eating have another glass, maybe while they're cleaning and polish it off, having that fourth glass in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm telling you what, I did it all the time. And for me to be able to say that also, I hope empowers other people to realize that is, it's normalized in our society, but that is not normal for our body. That is not the way our mind, body, and spirit was designed to be able to work through um, that much alcohol on a regular basis and be completely high functioning. Mm -hmm. I mean, not skipping much of a beat, Um, wake up, get to work out, juice the kale. It's all starting over again. And so I think those are some of the, some of the ways that you can know if your relationship with alcohol is becoming unhealthy is if you start to feel like you're on autopilot and you find that you're drinking more, not less, and getting less results. You have mm. to drink more to feel the same. Oh, 
And that's just science. I mean, that's just the the science of alcohol and a lot about the substance, which I think for many gray area drinkers out there, we're not educated on the science. We see the rosé all day t-shirts and memes. And we think, well, that that's normal. Maybe I just need to metabolize better, work out harder. Maybe I'm just getting older. And so the hangovers are just par for the course. And um, I really challenge that because I think, no, our, our bodies and our minds are not designed to, uh, I mean, mind, body and spirit is such a, it's such a withdrawal on each of those parts of us. And that's, that's where I think those flags come in. You can look at your mind, you can look at your body and you can look at just at your soul at the, at the essence of you and say, is this aligning with me or do I feel like I'm living double-minded? where I'm literally one person by day and kind of handling life different by night or in a different setting. I want to be congruent. I want to be wholehearted. And that's a big part of why. But I think if you're starting to feel that division, that's another red flag. Oh, oh my God, Jen, so much nuggets there. Like so much I want to unpack, but you know, the one thing I want to start with is that when you said like the rosé all day t-shirts, and I think in our society, we've glamorized wine. Like I can't speak for totally. so much for the other stuff, like the vodka and the rum, but definitely wine. We've definitely glamorized it with the t-shirts. You know, we got like the supersized glasses with the, you know, with the cute little quotes on it. We totally. got all the memes. Well, like, have you seen those memes with like the big, huge, like wine glasses yes. of the size of like two people's heads? And it's funny. And we laugh at it. We're like, yeah, that's so funny. I'm going to have another glass of wine. Right. Uh-huh. So I definitely think, yeah, there's a lot going on in society where we're definitely glamorizing wine a lot more than we should. Yes, you're right. the it's normalizing messaging to women really from the alcohol industry, which again is it's a $46 billion a year industry. I mean, it's follow, follow the money, they're a business, they're looking for getting more people to use their product. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately for them, maybe unfortunately for us as a society, it's also addictive. So you throw that in with the with the positive glamorization of it. And you really get a mixed message where your body's telling you one thing, like this is not really working, but no one's really talking about it. So it makes you feel isolated, which ironically isolation makes you want to drink more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes like, you know, even with my clients as well, what I'll say to them is like, you know, the, the quickest way to lose confidence is when you say you value certain things, but then what you do is out of alignment with those things that you're saying that you value. So if you're saying you value your health and you're drinking like the kale smoothies, like, you know, all throughout the day, but then at night now you're, you know, you're doing the bottle breakdown. You have yeah. to ask yourself, like, you know, is this behavior really in line? Is it really truly in line with what I say? I value. I say I value my family. I, I value my kids is what you're doing in line with that. Are you right. living your life in a way that you're going to be around to see your kids grow up? Right. right? Exactly. That's something to think about too. And, and that's the conversation I've had with some weight loss clients. Right. And I said, don't think so much about, you know, taking a picture for the gram or how, you know, how great you're going to feel when you, you post a picture online and then, you know, people from your past see how much weight you've lost. Like, you know, you have four kids, you have to ask yourself the question, do you want to see them graduate from high school? Do right. you want to see them get married? If you want to be around for that, it all starts with the choices that you make now. You know, it's, it's about those things that we do day in and day out that really make the difference. 
that is the difference. And, you know, so much of the work I do and what I'm passionate about is being sober minded. You know, I really don't talk a lot about sobriety in its traditional sense of just being sober. Um, and I think too, in our society, I'm not, I'm certainly not against that word. I'm sober sis, <laughs> really short for sober minded sisterhood. But um, I really like sober minded because it encapsulates more of what you are doing, more about presence than it is abstaining from something. It's more about what are you taking in and how are you showing up? And so to me, being a sober mind is being present. It's being awake, aware, alert in your own life and not missing those moments. And that's, that's what, that's what alcohol was doing. It was robbing me of a lot of the little things. Sure. It was taken off the edge, if you will, but it was also taking my edge away. It was, I was losing my edge. I was dulling my edge in business, in life, as a mother, as a wife, my edge to pick up and attune to my family was dulled. While I was dulling the anxiety, the boredom, the loneliness, I was dulling the joy, the celebration, and the presence with my people as well. And that that was a real loss during those times that I thought was just kind of breaking even and not bothering anybody. Yeah, I wasn't bothering anybody at all. If anything, I was playing small in my own life. I was the woman at the kitchen sink on the third glass, trying to almost become invisible as if I were evading the conflict with the teenagers or the disconnection I could have felt at that time in, in my marriage. It was just like playing small as if I were shrinking. And then I would wake up and try to be a bold, empowered, go-getter type A woman during the day. Mm, that's so that's good. conflicting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I love the language that you use as well, Jim, because I am, I'm so huge on perception and the way that we look at things and looking at things in terms of abundance, instead of looking at things in terms of lack, like even when it comes yeah. to eating healthy, you know, whenever people want to make changes to their diet, they think about all the foods they can't have instead of thinking about all the foods they can add into their life and you know, what value that's going to bring to your life when you start making those changes and you start adding in those foods, like more energy, you know, better sleep, maybe Huge. even a better sex drive when you start adding in the right. Oh, totally. Well, right. So, you know, we need to start looking at, you know, the thing, all the things we're going to gain rather than all the things that we're going to lose. So That's I'm so exactly right. Yeah. So I'm so glad that in your community that you're, you're so mindful of that language and using words like sober minded or, you know, alcohol free or gray area drinking, you know, instead of alcoholism and disease and addiction, because those right. words make us feel bad about ourselves. Right. Exactly. You know, and you bring up Trudy, such a great point. I have an email in my 21 day reset challenge about deprivation mindset. And we talk about that, how we've been taught in our society that, you know, no pain, no gain. I mean, if you want to, you know, if you want to lose weight or reel in your budget, you have to go without, and it's all about scarcity and, mm. and white knuckling it and willpower versus no, it's about exactly what you said. What can I gain? What is, uh, I talk all the time about, you know, FOMO versus JOMO. FOMO, the fear of missing out, is focusing on what you're losing. Hey, I'm all about the JOMO. What am I having the joy of missing out on? Mm. Oh, I could go on and on there. <laughs> the 3 a.m. wake up call. If any of your listeners are familiar with that, you know what I mean. 3 a.m. Oh, yeah, the bottle breakdown catches up with you. 
from a physiological standpoint. And that's that wake up call that says, oh man, I did it again. Oops, yeah. I did it again. Not in a good way. And um, and then you wake up and, and the good intentions start. But I don't have that anymore. I don't have that regret, that foggy mind, that disconnect from myself where I have to wake up all morning and spend time, you know, praying on my back patio and seeking ways to connect with myself. I don't have to lose that connection by checking out. Mm. And Jen, you mentioned the detox retox cycle earlier. Am I getting that right? Yep. Yep. And it, detox and to, to retox. It kind of sounds a little bit similar to like the emotional eating cycle where, you know, you feel bad, you reach for food, now you eat that food. Now that makes you feel bad. So like you reach for, you know, the food again, is that similar to the detox retox or can you explain a little bit more about that and how that works? Totally. I see it as very similar. I think a lot of the principles that you and I both teach and are passionate about really apply across the board to so many things. And these principles are the same, which is yes, one way of being that's that's mindful that then you check out everything that goes up must come down. Mm. So when we have this artificial high, this artificial stimulation, this artificially um, brought on experience by our choices that are temporary, that aren't really, they're relieving in the moment, but they don't really provide the rest or the fulfillment that we're looking for. Um, then that starts the cycle all over again. For example, in alcohol, um, anxiety, that's a huge, huge component of the detox to retox cycle that I didn't understand for a long time and that I don't think is being talked about enough. So um, the anxiety loop, actually, alcohol is like pouring gasoline on anxiety. So, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, which came first, the anxiety or the drinking? Well, they're both very hand in hand because the more anxious you are, well, the more you want to numb out or subdue those feelings of anxiety. So in drinking, for example, that actually causes chemicals in our body to cause stress hormones like cortisol and dynorphin that surge through our body, usually about 3 a.m. By the time all of it is worn off, everything that's that's gone up has come down mm-hmm. um, and you end up lower than where you started when you be- started the behavior, whether that's eating or drinking, you're actually lower than you were baseline before. So then just to get back up to where you're feeling good or normal or fulfilled, you have to repeat that behavior. And that's the that's part of the trap of the detox retox. And, and I also would like to add that sometimes this is back to back. I mean, it can be day to day. Sometimes this is weekend to weekend. Sometimes it's month to month. Um, I could go stretches of time without alcohol because I wasn't physically addicted to the substance of alcohol. Oh man, I could do a whole 30. I could do a seven day, 10 day juice cleanse where I'm only eating raw food and juicing. I got this. I got this in the bag. And then what would I do after? I would go through a drive-thru and get a combo meal with all the fries and the cheese that I could possibly find. What? To reward myself for having just completed something that was a challenge for my health that was positive. And um, so that's an example of the detox retox loop, whether that's every weekend, every night, every, every month. It's the same mentality because it's a mindset. It's a mindset that says, I still value alcohol or food or whatever it is. I still value that so highly that I'm holding it up 
and I can't wait to get back to it. So I'll deprive myself for a bit so that I can show myself I don't have that big of a problem or I can give this illusion of control when really I'm just waiting to run back to it. It's like going back to, a, a you know, a bad boyfriend or a bad relationship. You know, you can you can distance yourself, but uh, are you going to go back? Or are you just going to go back on the weekends just on Friday nights? You know, so it's a mindset shift that says, no, I don't value that for me anymore. It's not bringing me anything good. If I really look at it, do I get any benefits from alcohol? For me personally, I would have to answer no. I can't find a benefit. I can find so many benefits from not drinking. And again, I think that's the journey that's unique for everyone is having that discovery of the losses and the gains. Weigh it out. Make a list. That's part of what I teach as well. Like, let's concrete this out on a list. What do I like about drinking? What do I not like about drinking? What's really happening with with my drinking? I mean, like really awareness, like you mentioned earlier, is by far the first step to changing anything is just mindful. Even when women join my group, even before the reset starts, I have what's called a runway. And in that runway, I'm like, oh, oh, don't change your drinking yet. Don't worry about it. You don't have the tools yet or the support yet. You're just on the runway. What if you just started keeping a, a log or a journal of your thoughts, of your feelings around drinking? Were you good until 3 p.m.? Were you were you awesome at the grocery store at 10 a.m.? But if you go to the grocery store at 4 p.m., are all the end caps just too much? Start to pay attention when your triggers are, when your is different for each of us. And um bringing in that mindfulness to be able to go, oh, okay, I see a pattern here. I see a pattern that I'm good until three o'clock. Okay. Blood sugar's low. Um, the monotony of the day has set in. I've been responsible all day and shown up for everybody else. Self-care is a huge part of this practicing mm-hmm. self-care mm-hmm. as a release valve throughout the day so that you're not pining away for that five o'clock ultimate reward, which Uh, Let's just face it. Our body even gets a dopamine hit from reaching for the glass. Your body is already responding to that glass of wine, y'all, before you even drink it. Your body's like, yeah, here we go. Okay, relax. This is going to be good. It's reward, reward. And so how we view that is critical to making the change. And it's it really does begin with awareness and mindset. Do you feel like your stress levels are constantly on the rise? You're not alone. Feeling stress is a perfectly normal feeling, but it can sometimes feel like you're taking on the world without the strength to get back up. In my free Foods That Soothe ebook, you'll discover some key vitamins, nutrients, and recipes that may help you to improve your mood as well as to reduce your stress. I know how it feels to be overwhelmed, so I wrote this resource with you in mind. No matter how stressed you are, there is always a way to find relief. This book doesn't take more than 10 minutes to read. You can even read it on your phone or on your tablet. You can also grab the free download over at trudyestone.com forward slash foods that soothe. Jen, this is so good. This is so good. (laughs) Because my next question to you was, okay, if we're relying on it as a crutch, what are some of the first steps we can take? 
And, you know, when you said earlier that you think, you know, that we're kind of similar in terms of, you know, how we teach our clients, you're spot on because, you know, when people will say to me, well, Trudy, like I want to eat healthier. I have this desire to improve, but I just, I don't know where to start. And the first thing I have them do is to do a fruit, a food journal. And they roll their eyes at me and they're like, I'm not tracking what I eat. I'm not writing that down. And I said, trust me, you might get some aha moments if you're actually seeing in black and white what you're eating. Cause you might think you're eating two cookies a night, but you're actually eating six. And when it's yeah. there in black and white, there's no denying it. Right. So can see I'm, it. So, I'm so glad that you said that, like really the first step. So for anybody listening, if you want to make a change right now, if it comes to, you know, when it comes to alcohol or when it comes to eating healthy, that first step is awareness. Mm-hmm. You have to start your plan with awareness, start tracking how much, you know, how often you're drinking, start tracking, you know, what it is that you're eating, start tracking why, why you're reaching and for try that to do class. it without judgment, try yes. to do it in a real observational, like no criticism of yourself, no trying to change it while you're just stepping into that first step of awareness, just look at it and go, wow, that is curious. Wow. Wow. Jen, interesting uh, feedback there and just take it in, take it in and write it down without the judgment and the criticism, because that's what shuts us down. Oh, such a great point. Such a great point. Just having self-compassion for yourself, not looking at it and be like, oh my God, I can't believe yeah, I, you know, I did a bottle breakdown. Where is a huge step because most of us want to just, you know, stick our head in the sand because we know awareness will bring change and we yes. really don't like change. Typically. Right. Yeah. Just think about it as gathering information. Yeah. Right. I like that. Okay. So how can people not feel deprived when giving up alcohol? This is a big one. It's like, you know, I sit down and I watch my favorite show. I love to have a glass of wine. That's my routine. I don't want to feel deprived. So how can people not, I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, but if you want to expand on this a little bit more, how can people not feel this sense of deprivation? Oh, that's right. Well, and, and two, you know, there's physical deprivation, which is I need this. I've got to have it. And then there's that emotional, mental deprivation, which we create. We create that mm. by the value we give something so we can we can control it. This is this is a knob. This is a switch. We have the toggle to we can change it because we've also created it. So just as it wasn't always there, it doesn't always have to be there. So that's kind of hopeful. I really thought for a minute there. I'm stuck. Like I cannot get out of this. Um, And you can. So I think, yes, awareness is step one. And also pre-deciding, setting yourself up for success. You know, if you're just going to kind of play it by ear and kind of see how you feel at five o'clock or, or just when you get to the party, see what's offered. And, you know, if they have vegetables, you'll eat those. If they have cookies only, well, I guess that's what you're going to have to eat. No, we've got to pre pre decide. And that's different than willpower and just setting good intentions from hours before Mm. it's pre deciding. I'm not going to today or in this exact situation. Don't worry about forever or always. I think that also freaks our minds out when we make it too big. We make it too big of a change too fast. Like I'm never drinking again. Whoa. (laughs) wait a minute. That is, whoa, that's a huge statement. I don't even say that, which is I'm five years alcohol free and I still drink what I want when I want, because I've changed my desires. I've changed my want. So I am now drinking what I want. I'm not out there white knuckling it, not drinking what I really want. I am drinking what I want, but that took time and practice. So pre-deciding and just saying, for tonight or for X amount of time, 
Now it's a commitment with willingness. Now you're attaching a willingness to a commitment versus a big blanket statement, or I'm never going to do that, or setting this crazy lofty goal. Maybe it's tonight at five o'clock, I'm pre-deciding. And then I'm also going to pre-plan. I'm not going to leave a void. You can't just take something out and and leave a hole. Um, At five o'clock for me, I was used to, I got to get in the kitchen. I got a good five hours left on the mom work clock here. Five hour shift and momming. We don't need wine ladies to be a mom. And I tell you what, with Mother's Day coming up, when you and I are talking, I'm not sure when this will air, but let's just say Mother's Day is coming up and it'll come back again next year. So this can apply anytime. <laughs> but we moms have been taught that, you know, woohoo, it's, it's what you deserve. Well, I'm saying that mom witching hour, we've also been marketed to that it's our right. It's our entitlement. Mama juice, you Mama know, I've juice. seen that. <laughs> yeah. And so you've got to pre-plan to combat that because you've been subconsciously marketed to all day long. And you've got to consciously step in here and make that choice by pre-planning. So I don't just get to five o'clock. Now I've got a whole new routine. It's I'm so off of the way I used to be. But early on, oh my gosh, it was come into the kitchen, start the dinner. And that was like, ding, 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 wine time. I mean, it was like, a bell rang in my mind. So when that bell rang, I didn't just sit there and go, nope, not doing it tonight. I said, well, I'm not doing that, but I am doing this. And so I always have an alternative in place, ready to go. No friction to try to figure out what that is or where, go get it. Got to have it. And that's when it's, you know, if that's a sparkling uh, water with lime, if that's all of the myriad of uh, alcohol-free options that are out there, which I'm super passionate about. Um, I talk a lot about that on my Instagram. Um, it's, it, but it is about having an alternative, having a better choice instead of just no, no, no. It's kind of like we were saying earlier. Yes, 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 yes. What can I do? What can I do that aligns with my commitment that I've made to myself and um, and then support? I would think I, I think that's the third thing that it like you you almost can't do it without right. some element of like minded support, whether that's one on one or in a community, so that when you get to those bewitching wine witch hours, you know, you're not alone because you've got to know that other people are doing this, too. Mm. or supporting you or cheering you on um, till you build up more uh, confidence in yourself to do that when maybe no one knows what you're doing. It's really great early on to have a community. Mm, so good. You know, cause a lot of times we know the changes that we need to make in our lives. And you know, the same thing when my clients come to me, I do the one-to-one client work. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, Trudy, I know, I, I know what to do. Like, I know what I should be eating. I know what I shouldn't be eating. I just can't seem to make those changes stick. I need that accountability. I need that support. So that is such an important mm-hmm. part. I think of making changes in your life is having that support. So speaking about that, so I have, I have a couple more questions, man, I could talk to you all day. Um, what do I want to ask next? Okay. Let's, let's talk about support for a second. So yeah. what, are, what do we do when we have these people in our life? I call them saboteurs. Okay. So what do we do with these saboteurs in our life when 
you know, we say, you know what, Hey, you know what, I'm just trying to cut back on alcohol right now. Like, you know, and then someone comes along and says, well, you know, Saturday night, like you can have this, you know, just, you, you, can, have this, just you know, one. Grand, you, know, you <laughs> can, have, yeah, you could have just one, like, how do we deal with those people in our lives? And with summer coming up, how do we navigate those social situations when we're trying to, you know, pull ourselves away from alcohol? Oh, I love it, Trudy. And you're exactly right. We're stepping into patio weather, boats and and pools. And I mean, it is drinking season. All seasons are drinking for different reasons because then you got the winter drinking reasons. But summer drinking reasons are definitely coming upon us. And, (laughs) um, you know, I have a spouse that drinks. My adult children drink. And most of my friendship circle in real life drink. So this, I am out there as a person. Y'all can trust me because I'm out there as a person. outlier. <laughs> I'm yes, I'm counterculture. I'm going against going against the grain, and um, but that's okay. What I've learned to do is just how to stay true and authentic to myself and stay in my own lane, where I am really committed to my best self. This isn't really about other people. Um, they don't know my why. Of course, my my people closest to me do, but they, I have a strong why, a why that motivates me to keep moving when the temptations are there, the triggers are there, the, the social pressure um, is there. I just remember, Hey, when this party's over or when the dust settles and this all dies down, who's got to look in the mirror, who's got to feel the feels the next day, who's there the next morning. Certainly who's there with me at 3 a.m. in the wake up call when I'm the only one awake, who is there? It's me. So I've got to stay really connected to me and who I am and what my goals are. And it's really not about what other people are doing and they don't really care what I'm doing either. That's another thing I've I've learned uh, through the years is that people don't really care what I'm drinking. I was so I was so afraid early on that I would just be wearing this huge sign on my body at a party that said alcohol free non drinker and uh, which is so funny Trudy because I grew party up pooper. <laughs> yeah yeah I grew up as a non drinker but that was again long long ago and far away right. where there were more people not drinking it seems now we're in such an alcohol centric culture that you know what I discovered is if I could walk into a social setting a party a pool the boat whatever and and have either a drink in my hand that of, of my choice that I already had in hand, the hostess was less likely to try to, in a good way, push or provide alcohol for me. Because again, that's what a hostess does, right? They want everyone to feel comfortable. So a lot of times it's other people's uncomfortableness with not knowing how to make other people feel comfortable. But you walk in comfortable in your own skin with what you're doing and what you're wanting. I walk into parties all the time. I love, I'm very social and I love, in fact, early on in my journey, I doubled down almost on how social I was because I needed the practice. And so I would just walk into parties, you know, like, hey, Jen, can we get you something to drink? Sure, absolutely. Woo, been running around all day. I'd love to start with some water. What you got? You know, and I would just with confidence exude a yes, not a no. No, I'm not drinking anymore. Mm. You know, whoa. Then the hostess is like, awkward. We've got a live one over here. What do we do? (laughs) You know, but when you walk in like, yeah, let's start with some water right now. I'm just so thirsty. Woo, that buys you time instantly. Mm -hmm. And then you can start looking around and seeing what your options really are. You can BYOB. Um, 
You can walk in with a drink in your hand. Uh, you can just say, hey, you know, I'm good tonight or I'm not, I'm not drinking tonight. Keep it small. Keep it simple. People don't really care. Um, and if they do care, then, oh, my gosh, what an exciting conversation you could be having with someone else who may be sober curious. Because there are a lot of people out there that's kind of a buzzword, pun intended. That's a buzzword, <laughs> is sober curious. Because a lot of people don't know if they want to wear an alcohol-free lifestyle. As, a, as, as something they put on every day. That's part of my identity now. That's who I am. Some people just kind of want to try it on, see if it fits. Mm-hmm. To me, that's mm-hmm. sober curious. And there's a huge amount of people out there that just don't realize how many alternatives there are and that really you can have fun <laughs> and you can socialize and you can connect and you can dance at a wedding and you can do all these things without alcohol. And it's, it's really quite awesome to feel like you can do that. It's very empowering. Oh, so true. Yeah. And I love that you said sober curious as well. And I think, you know, when we tell people, like when we stick to our values, right. And when we have our boundaries, I think, you know, people respect you a lot more for that. And you look a lot stronger in their eyes and they're like, geez, like, wow, I could really learn something from Jen here. Like, you know, she's, you know, she's really strong willed. Like, I wish I could be like that. Right. Trying to yeah, change anybody else when they're around me. I really want people to feel as comfortable being themselves around me as I feel being myself around them. Mm -hmm. So it's a mutual respect of like, man, you do you, but while you're doing you and becoming a better you, you're going to, let's be curious together. I can learn from you. You can learn from me. And and it is a real change agent in the world to walk around uh, with this presence of mind, this confidence that says, I really don't have to have a drink in my hand to talk to you, to feel good in my own skin. And, you know, even as adults, there's this weird sense of peer pressure. I mean, I'm, I'm almost 51 and there's this weird peer pressure out there among adults And we all have that awkwardness when we walk into a room, when we haven't seen people for a while. And after the last couple of years, you know, people are just even still re-entry in some settings is really just things have changed. And so there is that awkwardness that comes with all people everywhere at all times. Mm -hmm. And most adults reach for something to alter that as quickly as possible. It's like, where's the bar? Waiter, we need a drink. Bring the guest of honor to our table. It's alcohol. Bring her in. She's the guest. Now, now we can all relax. She's here. This elixir, this beautiful bottle, this glass. And and I'm here to say, hey, what if in that first few minutes while everyone's energy is kind of coming in different, some people are happy, some people are sad, some people are mad. It's just going to clash for a minute. Everyone's going to feel kind of like, oh, where's my place? If you can get through that sober-minded and present, oh, the rest is just being you. It's just being yourself. And most people hijack that so quickly, so early on, that it's just an altercation of, of who they really are for the rest of the evening because they've, they've circumvented that ability just to be there. Right. Right. So true. And I also like, you know, when you talked about like the BYOB part, because- yeah. 
you know, another thing that comes out for people, you know, in my community, they'll say, Hey, you know, I'm going to this barbecue in the summertime. I'm going to this potluck. Like there's going to be so many foods there. I'm going to be so tempted. What do I do? And I always encourage people to bring a crafty contribution. That's what I call it. A crafty oh, contribution. So just like bringing that. something healthy. So at least, you know, if there's nothing there that you That's can right. eat or it doesn't fit in line with your health goals, at least, you know, there's one thing there that you can eat. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's so that's so smart because, yeah, at least, you know, you've got that. And then what I have found is when I bring my mingle mocktails or my groovy or whatever, when I bring these alternatives, other people are kind of like, well, I would, I'd like to try that. And then it's gone. Like people want it. They drink it. <laughs> and uh, so bring two. So let's talk about alternatives for a sec, Jen, because I want to know like, when it's Saturday night, what's in Jen's glass? Oh, well, Jen needs to show Trudy a fridge tour because uh, (laughs) that's a lot of what I enjoy doing. It's just taking my phone and turning it around and blowing people's minds with how many alternatives there really are. I do have some go-tos and I can start whipping out company names and stuff. But the the main thing is I do have a go-to. And and now what's happened uh, with me being sober says is I have so many options. Now I can't even try them all. Like I need to have a party. <laughs> um, but, you know, I quite honestly, I, I'm not really that into multi-step uh five ingredients, you know, do the rim, do the garnish on a daily basis. I mean, let's keep it real. I can Instagram that all day long. And that's really fun. Like I'm hosting my family this weekend. So I'll probably have some fun things out. So when I host, it's kind of fun to, you know, make your own. In fact, that's a great idea for a social. Um, I've done many at my house where it's mocktails and munchies. And I have all the stuff out where women can make their own if they like it spicy, if they like it sweet, if they like it sour. And you can kind of create these, like you would say, kind of a craft, like let's get into this together. Um, but a lot of times I'm I'm just popping a can or twisting off a top of a uh, great de-alcoholized wine out there. There's all kinds of wine out there now where they they figured it out, how to take the ethanol, how to take the alcohol out, but leave you a great taste. Mm. And the NA beer, the non-alcoholic beer world. Oh my gosh. It's just exploding. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. So Jed, I have a question that I ask all of my guests and that is what is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body? Well, I love it, Trudy. And I'll have to go back to my morning routine because I have a a very, very, um, I guess you could say predictable, uh, really locked in morning routine where I feed my mind and my body and my mind part really comes. um, I'm a Christian. That's my worldview. And so I love starting off each and every day. I mean, really coming empty, empty handed, ready to get filled up with new, new mercies for that day and new strength um, and new stamina. And so for me, that is important to set my mind right and renew my mind, you know, thoughts, kind of creep in of, you know, can I do this or all the things. So I have to constantly renew my mind and take out the lies, take out the untruths and the myths and just the way this world can make us think about ourselves. Mm -hmm. If we get into comparison Mm -hmm. or just thinking we're not where we're supposed to be. And I just have to renew my mind. And so Mm -hmm. 
that that's what I do is I just spend time in God's word in the Bible, just reading scripture, um, listening to, to songs that uplift me. And then that is like, okay, now I can go change the world, you know, or tackle these problems, which really when you're an entrepreneur and a leader, seems like a lot of what you face during the day is, is problem solving. Mm -hmm. And so for me to have a mindset that says, I can do it, but I also know I have a level where I run out and something else stronger than me has to pick up and finish the race, take over is huge for me. Yeah. Um, and then my body, oh man, I walk my dog. He's laying here on the floor right <laughs> I now. I see him, yeah. Um, I try to, he's getting older, so he can't walk as far, but I try to walk him a couple of miles every morning. And there's just something about walking to me. I can do yoga. I lift weights. I do all the whoa you know, like sweat it out and really get out there. But quite honestly, my favorite way to serve and care for my body is just walks. I love walking and just looking around at all the trees and all of just really nature is in order in all the chaos of our world. And that also is very grounding to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when people ask me like what my favorite season is, I always tell them that spring's my favorite season. They're like, what? Not summer. And I say spring because spring is like the rebirth. Like it just gets me so excited to see the grass poking up through the ground again, the buds coming on the trees, like waking up and now hearing the birds chirping in the mornings. Like I just love that reawakening and that rebirth. And when you go on a walk, it's just for me going on walks, just really, I don't know, like solutions just come yeah. to me more easily when I, I could be like racking over a problem in my brain for the longest time. And I go on a walk and it's like, boom, the solution boom. is there. Right. Well, and the great thing about walking is, you know, it's free. It's, yeah. it's accessible. So like yeah. put on your tennis shoes and just head out the door. I mean, I put my pods in. Sometimes I listen to music podcast. Sometimes I listen to nothing, which is really challenging for me <laughs> to listen to nothing in my ears on a walk, but I can. Um, but yeah, just getting out and walking, it's, it is stress relieving for sure. Yeah. So Jen, let's talk about your challenge real quick. So I know you have a 21 day challenge. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how people can sign up for that? Sure. Sure. So every month at the beginning of every month, um, I help women. So I'm, I'm working with women all over the world, uh, different ages, different backgrounds, but we have this one thing in common and we're wanting to change our relationship with alcohol. And um, so at the beginning of every month, I do what's called a 21 day reset. It's like a challenge uh, to challenge yourself in an alcohol centric world to set the drink aside. We're just going to set it aside. It's not going anywhere. Like it's going to be there when you're done. But I want to give women the opportunity to have clarity and a clear mind so that they can then reevaluate their relationship with alcohol in a more empowered way after learning so much about it. I mean, I've shared little, little things along the way on our conversation about alcohol, but imagine 21 days of being immersed in learning about what can seem like your friend, but feels like your enemy. What if you could learn your enemy? What if you could know why you were craving? What if you could know what to do in a social setting? What do you do with the spouse drinks? What if you could know those things and then have a like-minded group of people to process it with? That's what the 21 day reset challenge is. So um, I coach women through a series of emails. We have a network, which is our community. And then we use uh, an app called Marco Polo, which is kind of our secret sauce of connection, where we break it down into smaller groups where you can really get to see real people who are really doing this. So when is wine o'clock? 
you can hop on and say, hey, what are y'all drinking? How are you doing this right now? And so it's all about um, the coaching with the practical tips and tools and the community. And so that's it at the beginning of every month. If you go to sobersys.com forward slash 21 day challenge, you can sign up at any time. And if you sign up in between the start of a reset, I've got that runway that I mentioned earlier, where I send a series of videos and tools that help you prepare for the reset. So you can sign up anytime. Oh, I love that. And I'll make sure to pop a link in the show notes so everybody could check it out. Yeah. So Jen, if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Right on. Well, I am everywhere now because I'm on TikTok. <laughs> oh, I got to check you out on TikTok. <laughs> no, I'm not tweeting, but I am on TikTok. But you can follow me on Instagram at SoberSys. You can check out what I'm doing over there on TikTok at SoberSys Official. And um, you can also check out SoberSys.com forward slash home, which is kind of more of my website where I house all kinds of stuff with the blog, um, various podcasts I've done, which I can't wait to put this one there. And that's more of a kind of a, let me see more who Jen is in her entirety um, at sobersys.com forward slash home. I love that. And I'll make sure to pop those links and in the I'm show definitely notes on well. social media as Trini knows we're, yes. we're Instagram friends. We are, we are and real life friends. Yes. And I hope we continue to be friends because I think you're awesome. Um, I'm so glad that you could join us today for this interview, Jen. Like you have just, uh, just, I don't know, just dropped so much value, so much insight. This has just been so enlightening. And I hope the audience was taking notes. If you weren't, you got to go back and listen to this and take notes right from the beginning. Um, but Jen, this was, this was fabulous. This was great. I could talk to you for another two hours. Um, I really value your time. I really value your insight. Thank you so much for being here on the mind your body show and for joining us here today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the mind your body show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body for more after the show, make sure to head over to trudyestone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.